All right, here we go. It's another episode of From the French Podcast. We're rolling out number three this week. I want to thank you all for coming back and joining me. I uh, really appreciate the feedback that I'm getting back from everybody, and I do want to take a moment to let you guys know that I am aware of the audio issues through the first two um, episodes of the podcast. I'm working really hard behind the scenes to get those straightened out so I can give you all a better product. And I'm also working on my flow. I know the flow has seemed a little off, but bear with me. I'm trying my best here. I'm going to get it down here sooner or later. Um, so again, thank you all for that. I just want to make sure that I put out a good product and that you guys are excited to come back every week just as I am excited to record these. So with that, let's get started with the show. So we just wrapped up the U.S. Open week and it was a pretty interesting uh, U.S. Open. Wyndham Clark was our winner this weekend and uh, he won his first major as a PGA Tour professional. This is his second win. His first one came at the Wells Fargo Championship in early May. But there were just some really weird things to me that happened um, this weekend and on Sunday. The first one was how the announcers on NBC kept harping on how Wyndham was using Ricky Fowler's putter. Now, I might be a little biased on this because I've always been a Ricky, uh, Ricky Fowler fan. And, you know, I think everybody in the golf world is ready for Ricky to find that winning groove again. And when he popped off and started uh, showing some of that magic starting Thursday and then holding a 54-hole lead going into... Sunday, I was pretty excited. And then all they do is talk about, or one of the things they talked about was how Wyndham Clark is beating Ricky Fowler with his putter and how Wyndham had, you know, mentioned a while back that he had gone to the Odyssey uh, builders and told them that he wanted Ricky's putter to the exact specs. Now, honestly, I don't know the rules about this. But it just seems a little odd to me. I mean, that's you're taking another golfer's work and his and his ideas into one of his clubs, one of his tools, and it's like you're just taking the cliff notes and just riding with what he has. You know, I just found that a little bit odd. But what do I know? I mean, it could be something that's completely normal on tour. Another thing that I noticed that was um, odd this past weekend, especially on Sunday as Wyndham uh, was starting to show that it was most likely going to be his um, his show, was they started to do a lot of uh, background talking and about Wyndham and his mother, rightfully so. You know, she had passed away when he was in college of breast cancer and they talked about how important, you know, she was to him. And um, there were a lot of articles written on uh, Wyndham this weekend because, quite frankly, even though he's been on the tour since 2018, he really hasn't uh, started to make a name for himself until this year. 
in saying all that, what I found really weird was that Sunday was Father's Day, and there was not one mention of this man's father by either the NBC announcers or Wyndham himself. In reading the articles that I did on him, you know, it was pointed out that his mother was the first person to ever take him golfing, but it was his father that instilled that love of the game and got that competitive fire burning inside of him and that he was the one that was there for him taking him out golfing and while his mother was the one that was uh there giving the support that only a mother can give and no one mentioned his father on father's day and i just found this to be a really really weird look i uh Thought he would say something as he stepped off the green after sinking that putt and winning the uh, tournament. I know he probably had a million of things going through his mind, but there was no mention of his father. There was no really shout out to his dad during the uh, post-round interviews. And like I said, this being Father's Day, this was just a really, really strange look to me. But I don't know what it means, uh, but again, it just, it was odd. I'll just leave it at that. It was odd. So the USGA rolled out the first ever Caddy Award after this year's U.S. Open. And uh, surprise, surprise, it went to Wyndham, Ca- uh, Wyndham Clark's Caddy, John Ellis, who, when you heard the uh, mic'd up sections between the two, this guy was in his ear. He was being very supportive. So, yes, that's a, it's a big win for Mr. Ellis and a big win for uh, Team Clark. We had a lot of uh, firsts in this uh, U.S. Open. The first ever 62 was shot in the U.S. Open. It's the lowest round ever in a, in a U.S. Open. It was It was done Thursday by Ricky Fowler and then about 30 minutes later by Xander Shoffley. Ricky Fowler also had the most birdies in um, the first 36 holes of the tournament with 18. So that's uh, that was pretty impressive as well. There were a number of uh, hole-in-ones this tournament, or at least uh, fr- uh, Thursday and Friday. There were three of them. There was um, Matthew Pavon, Pavon, sorry, Sam Burns of L- uh, former LSU Tiger, go Tigers, and uh, Matt Fitzpatrick. They all threw aces down during this tournament. So, you know, it's pretty rare to see an ace, um, but to see three in one tournament, that's that's pretty cool to see. Another big topic going on this week was um, the Rory McIlroy major drought. His last major win was back in, um, what was it, uh, 2014. It was the PGA Championship at Valhalla. And here's Rory on Sunday, one shot behind. And he was hitting the, he was hitting the driver good, but he just could not find his putter. And uh, we all know, I mean, we all know Rory's an elite golfer. I give him a hard time on the show. Uh, for stuff that's you know off the golf course, but the dude is a legit golfer. He's elite, and I know at some point he will find his way back 
into that major winner's circle on um on Sunday. There were a lot of um there was a lot of complaining this weekend. There were a lot of, you know, little quotes and excerpts coming from Brooks Kepka, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Wyndham Clark, Victor Hovland, just talking about the course, crowds, the tee times, and uh I don't know, it was kind of a weird look. You expect to hear the players get a little nasty this weekend or on US Open weekend because this is the or at least it's supposed to be the uh, hardest test of golf for these professionals and I've been reading some articles that the uh, USGA is kind of taking notice of the uh players complaining and um I guess you know they the articles have kind of alluded that the USGA is a is afraid of embarrassing these players I say that's that's BS. These guys are professionals. They're well-paid professionals and they shouldn't they should not be scared of a hard course. One player out there who isn't and has always said that the tougher the course the the more he likes it is John Rahm and you know, you got to tip the hat to John for that, but you know the USGA can't be scared of these guys. You know, embarrass them. You know, make a make it a a, a tough tournament where you know a plus two wins the tournament. That's what we want to see. I want to see these guys grinding it out. I want to see these guys just sweating it out and just having a rough time on this course because God knows I couldn't do it. I mean, these are the best of the best, and I want to see them challenged when it comes to a U.S. Open. But there was something else this U.S. Open that took a little center stage outside of the players and the course, um, if you were paying attention. And that was uh, the L.A. Country Club itself. It was uh, it got a little spicy out there in the uh, golf space talking about the L.A. Country Club. This place is um, wrapped in mystique. Not a lot of players have ever played here before. It's a very um, exclusive, exclusive country club. It almost, I kind of compare it to uh, the Augusta of the West Coast and the fact that it's steeped in tradition. It's got all these rules. It's got the mystique around it. But man, they just, they just kind of put a poor showing as a golf club on this weekend. On Saturday, there were reports starting to come out about the value of the land that this golf course and country club sit on. I guess it's estimated to be like $8 billion, which behind Central Park in New York is the highest valued undeveloped piece of land in the country. And then then these articles went on to talk about how through various loopholes that they only pay about $220,000 a year in taxes and how strict the rules are. No celebrities are allowed to join this club. They've got pretty strict dress codes, sport coats in the clubhouse after six. Women need to wear skirts with blouses tucked in. The skirts can't be shorter than four inches above the knees. Men must be tucked in at all time and wear slacks. You have to wear proper shoes, no no flip-flops or sandals. What else? 
oh, cell phones aren't permitted in the clubhouse or on the course. If you want to talk or need to talk on your cell phone, you can either go to your car in the parking lot and do so, or you use a phone booth in the uh, in the locker rooms. And I get it. I mean, a lot of these clubs are trying to keep the exclusivity inside. They're, they put up a these rules out so that the level of member is at a certain caliber in their eyes. All of this was coming out, and then what really what really took or took everything over the top was on Sunday it started to come out that um that they had i guess in the contract or negotiations to hold the uh tournament there they were releasing 22,000 tickets to the public a day so 22,000 people Thursday 22,000 Friday Saturday and Sunday y'all get the picture now that is an incredibly low amount of tickets for a golf tournament, uh, especially a major. To give you all a comparison, here in Scottsdale, we have the Waste Management open. Now, I do know that the Waste Management is more of a party atmosphere, but on Saturdays, at on a Saturday at Waste Management, they usually expect about 200,000 people to go through that venue. 200,000 people on one day. The 16th hole alone holds 16 plus thousand people. Yet the LA Country Club had were only letting 22,000 people a day into this um into this tournament and it showed when uh Fowler was sinking that like I think it was like a 50 foot putt on Sunday. People weren't going as nuts for an incredible putt like that like they would in the past. The breakdown from that 22,000, it gets even stranger, guys. So of that 22,000, 14,000 of those tickets were hospitality tickets. Those are the tents that you see on the various holes. Those tickets go for 500 plus a piece. It's not a cheap ticket. So that leaves about 8,000 tickets for general emission, which were about $100 tickets. And the rumors that were coming out, Joel Beal of Golf Digest was tweeting furiously about this uh, on Sunday is, of that 8,000 tickets or so, the LA Country Club, for general emission tickets, for just everyday people, to come and walk the course and, and watch this tournament. 4,500 of them were bought up by the LACC. And rumor has it that they tried to buy all 8,000 of them. So in other words, they wanted the prestige of, if this is true, they wanted the, the prestige of holding a U.S. Open, but they didn't want any common folk in there. I mean, that's what it comes down to. They're they were they're elitists. They want the prestige of the tournament, but they didn't want the common man, the blue collar worker inside their gates. That's what it came down to, and that's pretty sad. That's a poor short showing for them. I give the L.A. Country Club if these rumors and these these um things coming out are true. I kind of want to believe that they are because 
the head of the USGA was uh, asked about this on Sunday after the tournament, completely ignored ignored these questions like they weren't even asked to him. So I give the LA Country Club an F. What a poor showing from a golf venue. Now, that being said, their grounds crew gets an A. They They took this tournament and they took this course and they worked their magic with it. After the 262s on Thursday, people were talking, oh man, this course is too easy. This isn't what the U.S. Open is supposed to be about. And day by day, these guys tightened the screws a little bit more where on Sunday, that was a, that was a pretty tough course. The, uh, the greens were fast. Everything had dried out and was firm. The pins were tucked in these very, very, very um, tough little corners of the green. So the uh, grounds crew of LACC, they get an A+. That's all I got to say about that. I'm sure you guys have some opinions too. Please DM me on the uh, Instagram page. Let me know what y'all think. I, uh, I love the interaction. I love hearing other people's uh, viewpoints on stuff. So with that, going from a poor showing by the LACC and just a kind of mundane overall U.S. Open, I want to talk about a, just briefly, I'd like to talk about a gem in the golf space, and that is DJ Khaled. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys know who that is. He is a multi-platinum recording artist. He's a hip-hop artist. Uh, He's been around for quite some time, but he has recently started getting into golf, and on his social media, he puts him playing golf out there. And it is priceless. This dude is exactly what golf needs. He happened to be on the cover of this month's Golf Digest. If you can get your hands on that, it is a really good read. This guy is, he's about faith, family, positivity, and golf. And he lets it show in his clips with his little um, sayings that he uh, has. People are taking, whenever he hits a drive, he kind of screams right down the middle. And uh, people are taking those vocal tracks and then putting them over their own shots on the golf course saying, hey, what it sounds like if you play with DJ Khaled. And I actually did this myself. It's pretty cool. I love how he's getting people involved in the game. I love how he's just he just shows his pure enthusiasm it's addictive it's even addictive to someone like me that's already addicted to the game so i want to tip the cap to uh, dj khaled for uh just getting out there grinding and having a good time and not being afraid to to show that he's having a good time and hopefully getting more people involved in the game so next we have the the ladies the um lpga wrapped up the uh mirror LPGA Classic this week. It was won by Leona McGuire. She shot a 64 on Sunday to finish the turn tournament at minus 21. This is her second LPGA win. She was in the mix last year at this tournament and had a uh, playoff with Jennifer Cupcho and Nellie Corda. And Miss Cupcho ended up winning that tournament last year. Miss Cupcho also ended up getting a hole in one in this year's tournament but again a tip of the cap to miss 
Leona McGuire for her second win on the tour. And with that, let's move it on. Oh, yeah. Stay up. Stay up. Stay there. Golf course etiquette. Yep, I hear the crickets and I can feel the eye rolls. However, this is something that needs to be addressed. Since 2020, the game has grown and there are just a lot of golfers out there that might not have been raised around the game that and just don't know these things. So today on From the Fringe, we're going to talk about them. I have broken these up into two categories. The first category we're going to go over is what I refer to as traditional golf course etiquette. These are the things that if you chose to uh, Google, you're going to find these. The other is things that need to be said. They're things I notice on the course, behaviors that I see that just need to be said. So we're going to go ahead and say it, say them. So uh, let's get started. We're going to start with the traditional. The first one is showing up on time. You have a tee time. The tee times are set to keep pace of play moving. Show up to your tee time 30 minutes in advance, minimum. If you want to hit balls and uh, hit the putting green, I go earlier than that. But 30 minutes in advance at a minimum, and this will allow you to check in for your tee time, get your cooler situated for uh, some Gatorades or whatever. This will uh, will allow you to get your cart situated, your uh, GPS set up on your phone, your uh, your radio or your speaker ready to rock and roll, get your balls out, your markers, your tees. It allows you to get all that stuff done in plenty of time so you're not rushing to the first tee because the first tee is already hard enough. You're already nervous. I know I am. So you're not going to rush to the first tee. The heart rate's not going to be elevated. You're not going to be swinging for the fences and slicing and fading and spraying all over the place. You'll be able to uh, approach the first tee calm, ready, and able to get after it for a good round of golf. The next one I want to think uh, to talk about is um, cart path only. And there's two parts to cart path only. One we'll address later, but this one is when it's cart path only, bring more than one club to your ball. Uh, a lot of us use GPS and uh, range finders now. My GPS I use is um, 18 birdies and it works through my Apple Watch as well. I can get a good idea when it's cart path only when I pull up to my ball and that's assuming I pull up to the right area because it's in the fairway but I can get a good idea where my cart is. It's not exact. So club up, club down, bring about three clubs with you. That way, once you get to your ball, you have a selection of clubs to choose from to take your next shot because you might be further up than you expected or a little bit further back. But be prepared like a Boy Scout. Bring some extra clubs. That way you're ready. You're not running back and forth to the cart slowing people down. The next one is lost balls. I've adopted this one. If you lose a ball, you got a a ball that's in some heavy rough or something, give yourself about two, three minutes to look for it. If not, then just drop where you think it went in and move on. Trust me, the headache of trying to find a ball is, it's not worth it, you know, and having people stand around is not worth it. So give a few moments to, uh, to look for the ball. If you can't find it within about three minutes, just drop and move on. The next one I want to talk to talk to you guys about is uh, walking in someone else's line. 
This goes with standing behind someone's ball. This has to be, or this has to do with the grain and putting. When someone is lining up a putt and getting ready to putt their ball, you need to be completely out of their line of sight. Uh, it is distracting when you can see someone's shadow or someone, you know, moving around while you're trying to focus on potentially making that par birdie putt. It's a little rude and it's easily avoidable by just standing out of out of someone's line of sight. This goes along with walking in someone's line. Now, the old school mentality on this is when someone's lining up a putt, you do not walk in the, the path where their ball might roll. Now, this was brought up because in the old days, all they had to wear were metal spikes and metal spikes would screw up or, you know, tough up the green in their line. So it was a rule that you did not walk in someone's line. Now, nowadays, we all wear soft spikes or the soft grip shoes. I wear Olakai's. Um, I know a lot of guys out there are, you know, wearing, you know, the Jordans or the Pumas, the, the soft spikes, Nikes, whatever. This isn't really that big of a deal from like a physical, you know, screwing up standpoint, but it is a, you know, still is one of those things that if you're playing with some older, older uh, golfers and you do this, they're not. They're not going to take too kindly and they might say something to you. So it's just a good practice. The next one is uh, addressed to walkers. If you've got a push cart or you've got a, uh, a walking bag, it's where to put your bag, whether it's on the tee box or on the green. Never place your bag or your cart, your walking cart on the uh, tee box. Place it to the side and when you approach the green, put your bag or your walking cart in a position that you move toward it when you finish, uh, when everyone is finished on the green. That way you're not running back to it and slowing up your pace of play and the people behind you aren't waiting to take their shot. Just keep things flowing. That's the real big uh, theme to a lot of the golf etiquette rules is to keep things flowing. The next one uh, is where to, uh, oh, where? Let's see, where should we go next? Let's talk about gimmies. Uh, a gimme in the game of golf is when you put a ball and you're within, I don't know, maybe a one to two foot radius of the of the the flag, and your partner says, that's good. They're just giving you they're they're acknowledging that you will most likely make that putt and they're just giving it to you. There can be a time where people give too many gimmies. You know, if you're gonna give gimmies out when you're playing with some friends or some strangers you care to go that route, keep it to about a foot, two foot, uh, you know, radius of the, of the pin. There are also people out there that when you're playing, they want to see you put everything out. There's, there's no need for that, especially if it's, you know, kind of a busy day on the course. Now the gimmies don't work if you're playing in a tournament round or you're playing for money. If you're playing for money, then you're putting everything out and you better be prepared for that, all right? The next one goes to um, when is when is it a good idea to pick your ball up? If you're playing some a match play event or playing match play with some friends, which is you're playing that hole for what it is and then moving on, each hole is, is a score, then it's done. If you're playing match play and you've already lost the hole and you know it, just pick the ball up and move on. This is also good practice if you're a beginning golfer. Um, I've talked to a lot of people and uh, 
I say that if you're a beginning golfer and you've decided to take on a big course uh, for the very first few times, limit yourself to, I don't know, four or five shots. And if you haven't, uh, you know, depending, I guess, on the par, we can go double bogey. But if you haven't reached the green by, let's say, seven shots on a par five, just go ahead and pick it up and drop it somewhere on the green and putt out with the rest of your uh, rest of your foursome or threesome or whatever it is. It just helps the flow of the uh, the day go by, and that way no one's you know waiting around for you. And by God, you're just not getting frustrated with yourself because if you feel that people are waiting on you, it gets frustrating. I've been there, and when you're frustrated, you make bad decisions and you hit bad shots. And it's a game. We're all trying to get better. So give yourself the best opportunity. If you're not just hitting it well that day and you still need a little bit more practice, go ahead and pick up and work work around the green a little bit. So that's another thing that just to keep mindful uh in the you know, be mindful of and keep in the back of your mind. The next one is the driving range. And this is proper divot pattern on the driving range. Divot pattern should be basically a straight line. You place your first ball down, you hit it, you take a little bit of divot, and then the next ball goes right behind it on the next available little piece of grass, and you work in about, you know, three three foot little lines and you make make another one. Don't chunk up the, the driving range. Grass doesn't grow overnight. It makes more work for the uh for the grounds crew. And you know, quite frankly, when you get that divot pattern working well. It's a pretty good sight. When you have a nice little divot pattern, you know, it's kind of like a picture worthy moment. Like, hey, look what I did. So keep that in mind as, as well. The uh, the next thing um, that I want to talk to you guys about is, um, well, I guess this one goes under the, these are the need to be said, need to be said, golf course etiquette recommendations or rules, whatever you want to go by. and. The first one is pace of play. We all know pace of play. You you should usually be able to play 18 holes, we'll say within about four hours. You should always ask the starter or someone at the uh, at the front desk what the pace of play is for the day and try to be mindful of that. Pace of play goes two ways. Either A, you could be playing incredibly slow and holding people up, or you can be playing incredibly fast and riding up someone's rear end and making it a very uncomfortable and stressful day for them. I did a video on the ladder a few weeks ago. It was a great sunny day in Scottsdale. Surprisingly, the course wasn't too crowded, and somewhere in the middle of the back nine, uh, well, no, early in the back nine, this twosome just showed up out of nowhere, I didn't see him at all on the front nine, and I was playing with the threesome, and these guys were riding us the entire back nine, and it was it was uncalled for. Like we were finishing the round, obviously we were going to finish the round earlier than normal. I think it took like three hours and fifteen minutes, but these guys just kept riding us, and uh, we were keeping a pretty good pace of play to the group in front of us. So. You can always move too fast. And the flip side of that, like I said, is you can move 
too slow as well. And uh, that can be a drain on everyone around you. So be mindful. Again, it's all about the flow. Be mindful if you're playing too fast or if you're playing too slow. Next is letting people play through. This goes with pace of play. It's okay to let a group, when it's warranted, to play through. All right? Now, when I say it's warranted, if it's a stacked day on the course and, um, you know, people are riding you and then they ask you to play through, you're allowed to say no. Because the one rule I have with playing through is if I'm going to let you play through and now all of a sudden I'm going to be waiting on you, uh, I'm not going to be a happy camper. But if, you know, for whatever reason, you're moving faster than me and there's no one in front of me at all and you want to play through, by all means, go ahead, man. Have some fun. Play on through. Finish your round. And I hope you score well. Music is another thing that needs to be addressed. Everyone loves music on the golf course nowadays. I have a speaker. My buddies have speakers. And I will listen to anything from Frank Sinatra to Dave Matthews Band to... Metallica and ACDC and anything I can think of in between. George Strait's the, George Strait is another one that I really love to listen to on the golf course. However, I don't need to hear you listening to Barbara Streisand from two to three holes away. That's uncalled for. Personally, if you want to take my recommendation, a good volume for the golf for the golf uh, speaker is for you to hear it when you're taking your shot from right outside your cart, but not loud enough that everyone's going to hear it when y'all are putting out on the green. That's a good uh, volume. So you're riding to your ball. You're riding to the next hole. You're you're enjoying some tunes, but they're staying to you and maybe just a little bit outside your golf cart. Outside of that, this isn't a rave. This isn't Coachella. We're not, we're not you know, at a... Uh, at a, a subwoof or a bass contest, I don't need to hear what you're playing two, three holes away. Another thing that I've noticed uh, that's been happening a lot on golf courses has to do with clothing. Now, look, I don't want to come off as bougie. We all have what we like. And quite frankly, I love all types of golf clothes, whether it's shorts, slacks, cardigans, the loud, proud 90 or uh, Sunday swagger shirts, the more conservative, you know, Peter Millar or Footjoy. I like them all. And I love having a pop of color in my golf wardrobe. What I want to address is the people that are willing to pay 70 to to $100 because that's what it can get to in, here in uh, Scottsdale. And those are conservative numbers for, for a high season. But you're paying a decent amount of money to go play golf. You have your clubs, but you show up in a cutoff t-shirt and jorts. Come on, man. We were, we did not just leave a Kid Rock concert, all right? If you're going to invest in the hobby and invest in the clubs and the, and the tea times and the accessories and everything else, I know for guys, most have a, a polo style shirt in their closet. Go to Kohl's. I've done the research. Pick yourself up a $15 pair of khaki shorts and you're good. That's all you need. Just get yourself a $15 pair of khaki shorts, 
will grab one of the polos inside of your closet, grab a pair of tennis shoes. Don't even at this point with all the soft spikes, it doesn't even have to be a pair of golf shoes. Good pair of tennis shoes will work as well and go have fun. You don't have to tuck it in unless the course tells you you need to, but I play untucked all the time. It's it's comfortable unless it's uh unless it's winter time and I'm wearing pants and I got like a sweater over it, then I'll tuck in. Do yourself the favor. Feel good when you get out there. Get a pair of khaki shorts, grab the polo, and you're good to go. The next one is probably going to be a touchy subject, and it's booze. Now, I want to go on the record that if if you're of age, there's nothing wrong with having having a couple drinks on the golf course. I myself really enjoy a transfusion in a cigar. That being said, I can't count how many times... I will watch a group, each guy in the group grab like a six or a 12 pack to start the round. And then you see the uh, the beverage cart pull up to them and they're getting more and they're getting shots. What fun is that? It's not, at least for me, it's not fun to get all hammered out. Again, we're not at a pool party. Uh, we're not at someone's, you know, backyard, you know, barbecue. We're at a golf course and there are going to be elderly people out there you know um they're going to be families they're going to be kids and you don't need to be get, be getting sloppy drunk banged up at the golf course acting a fool no one wants to see it and you probably don't want the headache the next day so be mindful of your alcohol consumption not just for yourself but for everyone else around because while you're a paying patron so are they the next uh is we're going to go back to cart path only. What does cart path only mean? It means exactly that. It means that for that round of golf, for that particular day or that morning, carts are not allowed on the course. And you'll see, and whether you're playing a par three course or an 18 hole course, all par threes are cart path only. I noticed the other day I was playing on Father's Day and there was this young guy playing with his parents. And he had lost his ball and he just drove his cart up onto the green and around the green onto my tee box looking for this ball. And his parents were just like, have you found it yet? And I'm sitting there thinking, what are you doing? No, just park your, you know, pull up to the green, grab your putter and go look for your ball. It's not going to hurt you to get a few extra steps in. Let's, you know, let's remember that we are outdoors to, for God's sake. So don't be afraid to grab your club and actually go walk and look for your, uh, ball, grab a, grab a wedge, grab a putter and go hunting. Uh, another thing that happened to me was I was playing the par three on father's day and I'm leaving one of the holes about to pull up to the next and a golf ball smacks right in front of me and bounces right off my cart. And I didn't hear a peep from anyone. There is a word for this, guys. If you hit an errant shot, you yell four. And if you know which way it's going, you say four right or four left. But at very minimum, you yell four. So this Ball hits off me, ricochets to, I don't know, and I roll up to the next tee box, and here comes Chad just 
oblivious to what's going on, rolls right by me and the people I'm playing with, doesn't say, hey, did you see my ball? Hey, sorry about that. Sorry I you know, hit this over here. Nothing. He just comes, thugged out, driving by like we weren't even there. Thanks, Chad. You know, ni- nice of you to do that. You know, nice of you to almost take my head off with your Titleists. Really appreciate it. So, anyway, I'm going to move off for that one. The next one has to do with how you treat the course. And this is the last one of the list. It's your ball marks on the greens, raking bunkers, and divots in the fairway. I want to do a few Instagram posts showing you guys how to do this properly. You can always Google it on your own. But I see a lot of people online, especially here in Scottsdale. I follow a uh, large uh, golf group on Facebook. Uh, sorry, Facebook. And these guys are constantly complaining about courses, pace of play, all that stuff. But, oh, these courses are charging too much for what shape they're in. Guys, it's... The ground crew's job to keep the course playable. It's our job as golfers to clean up our mess. If you hit a divot in the fairway, there's two ways you can take care of this. If you can, you grab the divot, you lay it back into its pattern, and you stomp over it with your foot to get it back in there. If it's not there, most carts have a have a little container on the back of them. It's got sand and seed mixed into it. You pour it into your divot, you tamp it down with your foot, and you move on. That's how you treat the course and make the course better for you the next time and those coming behind you. It's real simple. The next one are bunkers. Rake your bunker. No one wants to walk into a bunker and see a or see their ball laying in Fred Flintstones. 14 size, you know, Tyrannosaurus Rex, but it sucks. There's a proper way to rake the bunker as well. You actually don't use the rake part. You, you, well, actually you use the rake part to, you know, the fluff everything up and then you flip it over and use the smooth part of the rake to smooth out the bunker so that there's no ridges or anything else that a ball can lay into. Real simple. I'll do a video on this if you want to check it out on the Instagram. The very last one pertains to the greens. It's when you hit that very perfect shot. You hit that wedge and approach shot. It's got that high arc. You're watching it. It's a great feeling. And it plops, boom, right there on the green. It catches a little bit of backspin and settles in. You walk up to the green. There's a little punch mark where your ball you know, hit the green. It's a little, little ball mark. They make tools for this little two prong ball marker tool. And there's a proper way to go ahead and fix the ball marks, pat pat it down with your putter so that the green stays nice and smooth and the grass grows properly. There's a superstition that the more you fix, you can stack up uh, birdies for down the line. I try to pick pick out two to three when I approach a green to fix, but it's our job overall to help the grounds crew 
keep the course in playable condition. And how you do that is by keeping your own kitchen clean, cleaning the things up in the course that you screw up. It's not hard. You know, other golfers will notice you and they'll be like, look, man, this guy knows what he's doing. You know, it, it shows that you you actually care about the course, you care about the game, and hopefully you can inspire someone else to start doing the exact same thing. So those guys are the golf course etiquette things that I wanted to talk about. Feel free to uh, hit me up on Instagram. You know, drop me a DM on those. The Instagram is um, all uh, lowercase letters. It's from underscore the underscore fringe. Feel free to drop a DM. Let me know what you think of these. Add some. Give me some comments or feedbacks on a few of these. Um, We're also on Twitter. And that is at F-R-M-T-H-E-F-R-I-N-G-E. I couldn't afford the O, but it's from the fringe without the O. So with that, we're going to keep this moving on. Oh, yeah. Stay up. Stay up. Stay there. Okay. Before we wrap things up this episode, we've got one more thing to talk about, and that is golf in particular. Weekend Tournament Golf. The PGA Tour this week have the Travelers Championship. It's going to be held at TPC River Highlands in Cromwell, Connecticut. This is one of the PGA's new elevated events, and it has a stacked field. There are a few headlines that I will be watching this week, little things to keep an eye on. That is... That Ricky Fowler is playing this tournament. I want to see how Ricky bounces back after doing so well in the open. Can he keep that momentum going? Can he finally put a full 72 holes together and get that uh, elusive win and get that monkey off his back? Personally, I hope he can. We also have Wyndham Clark playing this week. How is he going to play? Is he going to have a little bit of a... U.S. Open hangover. Is he going to just keep that freight train rolling? That will be another headline to watch. Another little scenario there for you guys. Sam Bennett, the Texas A&M Aggie. He's going to be out there. He's been playing some good golf. He's been uh, making a uh, little bit of a splash in these last two majors. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he does. Then you got the Norms, the Rory's, the Collins, Victor, Rom. JT, they're going to be out there. We're going to see how they do. I know Rom's probably going to come out strong. I don't think he was too happy with his U.S. Open performance. Rory, was Rory. what's he going to do? Max Homa, Matt Fitzpatrick, Tony Finau, all dangerous guys on the tour. Another guy that we're going to be silently uh, rooting for in this uh, house is uh, Shane Lowry. We met him at the uh, Waste Management this year, and he treated the little one with absolute respect, signed her little flag, gave her, signed the golf glove. So he's always going to have fans in this house. Next, the LPGA have their very first, or no, sorry, their second major of the season is the KPG Women's PGA Championship at the Baltusrol Lower Course in Springsfield, New Jersey. I've been trying to say that uh, course name over and over again, and while I think I got it right, I feel I might have butchered it. But if I did, we'll get it right next week when we talk about the results. 
Uh, there are a handful of ladies to watch this weekend. First and foremost, you've got the favorites, which would be Lydia Ko, Brooke Henderson, and Lexi Thompson. But under the players to watch category that I would not be surprised to see a top 10 finish out of these ladies, Nellie Corda, who's coming back off of uh, injury. She's been out for about six weeks. Uh, watched her press conference earlier and looks like she's ready to get back after it and play some elite golf. You have Danielle Kang, Charlie Hull, Gabby Lopez, Georgia Hall, all big heavy hitters on the LPGA Tour, along with Jennifer Cupcho, uh, Minji Lee. We have the uh, newcomer, Cheyenne Knight. She's been kind of making a splash week in, week out. Week out. The young, the youngster, Rose Zhang. She's a, a new member to the LPGA. We talked about her a couple weeks ago. We'll see what she does. All in all, I think it's going to be a great weekend of golf, whether you're out playing it or watching it at home. So you guys have a great week. I want you all to be good, stay safe, and hit them straight.